we're back after a month being away, just in time for the big news of the third indictment against Donald Trump. New York is uh, number one, Florida number two. Now we have a sealed indictment uh, coming out of the grand jury in the District of Columbia, which everybody assumes is an indictment of former President Donald Trump for allegations concerning January 6th, the awful speech he made. I wish he hadn't made it, but constitutionally protected. He talked about demonstrations that were peaceful and patriotic, completely covered by the First Amendment. We'll see. Once the indictment is unsealed, I don't know why they've sealed it, but once it's unsealed, we'll see whether it satisfies the standard. Now, if you're going after the man who has a 44-44 tie in the polls, against your boss, the incumbent president, the indictment better be so solid and so strong if we're not going to enter into banana republic land. Uh, before we get to Donald Trump, and we'll see whether or not during the show, um, we get more information about the indictment. I know that uh, Special Prosecutor Jack Smith is going to be making a, a statement at some point, whether it'll be during the show or after the show. I don't know, but let me just briefly tell you what a wonderful month uh, we had away. Uh, we decided to stay away from um, Martha's Vineyard for for a month. I just don't need the kind of hatred today. I went to the porch of the Chilmark store to um, uh, have a cup of soup with some of my friends and Merle Berger, one of the leaders of the campaign to uh, silence me, started walking toward the store. And I said to the people I was sitting next, you're going to see what happens. Uh, Merle Berger is going to walk and then he's going to look up and he's going to see me. He's going to pretend not to see me. Then he's going to quickly turn around and walk away so he doesn't have to confront me. And they all said, wait, you're paranoid, you're crazy. And that's exactly what happened. He walked a couple of steps. I got it on videotape. Walked a couple of steps, saw me, and then he he, he walked away, he did the same thing on the beach. And that's what's happened on Martha's Vineyard to me, my wife, my children, everybody else. But look, I did it for principle and I'm prepared to uh, sustain the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Uh, and do the right thing, which uh, I continue to uh, do. But we had a wonderful, wonderful time. We went to uh, Tanglewood for a while, listened to some great, great music. We went to um, uh, Aspen, and we went uh, with a friend on a boat along the Amalfi Coast in Italy where we had the greatest uh, uh, pasta. Not such good pizza. The pizza in the United States is really just as good as the pizza in, uh, in, in Italy, but the pasta dishes and everything was just wonderful. So we heard a lot of music, met a lot of friends, uh, spoke to the Young President's uh, organization, spoke to Chabad, uh, and now we're back uh, on the vineyard and we're back doing our show, which I was really missing. And I miss your letters. So please, even during the show, uh, write me letters, write me letters. I want to hear from you. I have a few uh, that came in just today, and, and maybe we will read those if we have time. But I do want to spend the rest of the time, obviously, talking about not only this major new development, uh, but also what I had predicted on the show, and I had predicted all through um, networks and all through what I wrote, that uh, the Hunter Biden plea deal would not be accepted by the judge as written, that it had too many holes in it and too much of a possibility that there was an implicit agreement maybe between the prosecution and the defense that he'd get blanket and total immunity, but they didn't want to say it. So the judge forced them 
to uh, put their cards on the table. We'll talk about that as well. And we'll talk about what's happening in America, the, the, the weaponization of the criminal justice system on both sides, tip, tip for tat. Uh, we see the Republicans uh, uh, wanting to impeach President Biden, although he hasn't committed any treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors, the same um, criteria that they opposed um, um, when, when, when Trump was indicted, uh, was impeached. Uh, they now want to impose on Biden. It's hypocrisy, hypocrisy on that side. And there's plenty of hypocrisy on, on, on the other side. And the, 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 the victims are the American public. Uh, we suffer when our criminal justice system is weaponized. Today, it's used against Trump. It's used against Biden. Tomorrow, it's used against you and me and our relatives and our friends. That's the road to tyranny. And uh, criminal lawyers, civil liberties lawyers, people of goodwill, Republicans or Democrats have to fight against it. And I'm going to continue that fight no matter how many friends former friends, fake friends, I lose. So um, let's start with um, with this indictment. We don't know what it contains. Um, I doubt it will be based on the um, speech itself, uh, the speech of January 6th, uh, because that speech, outrageous as it was and uh, negative as it was in my view, um, it's a good reason perhaps not for voting for, for Trump, but it's not a good reason for indicting him. It's constitutionally protected. And um, the First Amendment allows people to make bad speeches. Look, I've defended much worse. I've defended communists. I've defended Nazis. I've defended pornographers. Um, I'm surely not going to back away from defending the right of the president of the United States to uh, make a foolish speech. Uh, it was a foolish speech, but it was protected by at least two aspects of the First Amendment. One, the right to free, free speech, and second, the right to petition the government for a redress of uh, grievances. Um, Donald Trump had a grievance, whether he was right or wrong. I think he was wrong, but uh, he had the constitutional right to express his concern about the elections. He also had a right to try to put up a slate of um, electors that uh, were different from the slate of electors put up by the state of Michigan or, or other states. That's the way you challenge an election under the Constitution. We have, after all, the Electoral College. They're the ones who decide. And uh, there's a case out of uh, Hawaii during the 1960 election, uh, which was a very close election. Uh, my first election that I voted in, uh, President John Kennedy and future President Richard Nixon ran against each other. And there was a dispute in Hawaii. And the judge basically said, look, the way to resolve these disputes is come up with an alternate slates of electors. I think that's what happened in, in some of the early contested cases, Tilden Hayes um, and other cases as well. Uh, and that's an appropriate way of challenging an election out. To do it, you have to make sure that it's not fraudulent. You have to honestly believe that um, you have uh, won the state and, and your slate of electors is the, the right one, or that there should be a recount or even a re-election uh, in the state. Um, you know, I was actually advocating a re-election uh, during Bush versus Gore because of the butterfly ballot. Uh, and a lot of people who voted uh, in Palm Beach County voted mistakenly uh, for um, uh, Pat Buchanan. They had intended to vote for, um, for Gore, Al Gore, and, and the Al Gore-Lieberman ticket. And because of the misplacement of the hole in the butterfly ballot, they cast their vote for the wrong person. So one possible remedy was a, 
a re-election, at least a re-election in one state, because it was the one state, Florida, that determined the outcome of the election. These are complicated matters, and they're not really appropriately subject to criminal prosecution unless you can prove that the uh, fake electors or the people who appointed the fake electors knew for absolute certainty that this was a fraud, that the election was pristine, that it was perfect, that there was no basis for it. But the government has a very, very heavy burden of proving corrupt intent uh, under these statutes. So we'll see. We'll see whether the indictment uh, alleges uh, any such uh, corrupt intent. If it doesn't, um, a judge may throw it out. And remember that this indictment quite deliberately is centered in the District of Columbia. That's where the alleged events occurred. But the District of Columbia, I think, voted over 90 percent for uh, uh, Biden and against Donald Trump. And so the jury will be very, very heavily um, uh, uh, anti-Trump. Uh, I think the judges are pretty heavily anti-Trump also in that district. So it's certainly possible that they could win a jury trial, even if they don't have a, a strong case. But ultimately, the case would get to the United States Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, a, a court I clerked on back 50 uh, some uh, years ago. Oh, it's now 60. It's now 60 years ago that I clerked on the D.C. Circuit. And then it will go to the Supreme Court, which I also uh, uh, clerked on. And so uh, it remains to be seen, uh, A, how strong the indictment is, and B, um, whether or not a, a trial judge will dismiss some aspects of it, uh, whether or not there'll be a change of uh, venue to Northern Virginia, where you have a jury pool that's uh, more likely to be divided among Democrats and Republicans, whether or not a jury will convict, probably it will, and whether or not a court of appeals will affirm whether or not the Supreme Court would take the case. I mean, this Supreme Court probably would take the case when it involves uh, separation of powers and uh, the current executive going after the former chief executive and the man running to become the future chief executive. It's a case that's ripe for Supreme Court review. And we know the Supreme Court uh, leans a bit, uh, a bit conservative, um, maybe even more than a bit conservative on some issues, although it's ruled against Trump, um, as have almost all the courts ruled against Trump. Um, it's interesting, when I was speaking out in Aspen, I spoke to the young presidents, and then I spoke also to a Republican group, and I don't think there was one person in either group who told me that they supported Trump. They were Republicans, but they were hoping um, that um, the Republicans could come up with a candidate other than Donald Trump who could beat the, the Democrat. Uh, right now, it looks like Trump versus Biden, and it's too close to call. And of course, our elections are not determined by popular vote. Uh, in both uh, last elections, uh, the Democrats overwhelmingly defeated the Republicans by popular votes. Clinton got Hillary Clinton got many more popular votes and uh, and Biden got many, many more popular votes. But the election turns on um, the Electoral College and Electoral College, you know, uh, gives certain states, particularly large ones like Florida, which is purplish, um, uh, enormous influence in the outcome uh, of the case. Uh, candidates don't campaign in New York and California because they know how those states are going to go. So they tend to go to the purple states, which have disproportionate influence uh, in the outcome of the election. If the election were a popular election, the candidates would focus their attention on the largest states, on uh, New York and California. So 
you know, the Electoral College does to some degree distort um, popular elections, uh, but uh, there's almost no country in the world today which has simple popular elections. Most countries like uh, European countries, parliamentary systems, you vote for the parties. And um, in some instances, you get situations where the party wins, but, um, but the candidate uh, has less support than the candidate who loses. So uh, there's no country that has a pure, pure, pure uh, Athenian democracy where hands go up and uh, the majority wins. So uh, we do have complicated systems and, uh, and, and the complicated system makes criminal prosecutions um, uh, much more difficult. And um, I'm very anxious to read, um, you know, my phone, as I'm talking now, my phone is ringing off the hook so there's obviously some news that's breaking. I must have gotten 20 phone calls in the f 10 minutes that I've been speaking um, uh, on this. But hey, you come first. You're the, uh, you're the podcast um, audience. So I'm going to wait to answer my phone until after the podcast is over. But I'm sure things are happening as we speak. And probably at this point, you may know more than I know because you know, like I used to do, where you watch watch a little television on the side, and watch a podcast, and do two or three things at the same time. So some of you are probably looking at your newspapers at news pop-ups, and you probably know more than I do. But uh, unless I'm wrong, uh, God, here's another one: Washington D.C. Um, everybody's calling me, um, and so um, you know, it might be fun. Let me take one call, see who it is, and uh, um, maybe you'll be interested in it. Let's see. Hello. Who is this? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm. Tell me if there's any news. Has it been unsealed? Has it been unsealed? Okay. What does it say? It's been unsealed. What does it say? Right. Okay, so it's basically the Civil War conspiracy statute, uh, conspiracy against rights and other conspiracies um, to uh, defraud the United States and to obstruct justice. Um, anything more specific than that? Yeah, but doesn't it? But but it actually requires that there be corrupt intent. It requires the government to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Trump uh, knew that he had lost the election and was just yeah. That's forty five pages. All right, that's not going to be easy to prove. Uh, I'm on my podcast right now, so I can't talk. But uh, at about oh six thirty or so, we can talk. Okay, thanks. Sure. So, okay, that's, uh, that's a first, taking a phone call in the middle of my podcast, but I took the phone call not to tell them anything, but to hear from them, and, and it keeps ringing. Oh, my God, everybody is calling. Apparently, the indictment has been unsealed. It contains, as the Sinclair guy told me, uh, four counts, uh, all conspiracy counts, uh, which means that there'll be other people uh, indicted or named as unindicted co-conspirators. Uh, if it's a conspiracy, it means that hearsay uh, can come in from conspirators. There's an exception to the hearsay rule for co-conspirators. So it's interesting that there is uh, 
that all the charges are are conspiracy. Um, and I think basically the essence of it is that there was a conspiracy um, to um, prevent the electors from being counted by Congress and the presidency being handed over to uh, Joe Biden. And uh, it probably then consists of various underlying crimes um, or underlying acts that form the basis for the conspiracy. Uh, I, I, in my phone call, I wasn't able to find out whether there are any smoking guns. The man from Sinclair who called me said he hadn't read the entire um, indictment. It's 40 some odd pages. Um, but uh, clearly uh, the thrust of it is now is now well known. So uh, it's a serious, obviously a serious indictment. Any indictment of the District of Columbia is going to be serious because of the of the jury pool in the District of Columbia, but it still has to survive motions to um, dismiss on the ground that there is no crime alleged or that the crime is unconstitutional. Um, I, I didn't hear from what I was just told any specific uh, claim that the speech of January 6th uh, constituted criminal conduct, but uh, probably the argument will be that the speech together with other actions and the failure of the then sitting president to prevent people from going into the Capitol and trying to disrupt the proceedings um, constituted a conspiracy. So um, uh, no great surprise there. Again, without having read the indictment, I'm not going to tell you there are no surprises. There may very well be some surprises. So now um, uh, Donald Trump faces three, um, three indictments. He will probably face a fourth one in, um, in, um, in Georgia. Uh, as you know, I wrote a book about it called Get Trump. In the book, I predicted every one of these things. I went through each of these four charges and predicted that there would be indictments. Um, also predicted that um, um, uh, on television, I predicted that Donald Trump that uh, Hunter Biden's plea agreement would not be accepted. And my predictions have generally come true. CNN gets it wrong all the time because CNN makes predictions based on wishful thinking or self-fulfilling prophecies. They predict hoping their predictions will come true. My predictions are based on my experience and my long, long, long time familiarity with how the criminal justice system operates. And so um, my predictions, which are not biased by my own hopes or predispositions uh, are smarter than the others, not because I'm smarter, but because I'm not uh, biased. And I, I make the predictions based on everything that um, I've known over the years. And I look at all the information and I try not to make predictions based on, on speculation. So um, I'll make a prediction here too. And, and my prediction is that there probably may very well be a jury conviction in the District of Columbia Based on these charges, I want to obviously read the charges um, and carefully analyze them before I predict whether a judge will allow them to go forward, probably he will, and whether a court of appeals or the Supreme Court will uh, reverse. So what we're facing now is a presidential race, uh, the 2024 election, probably one of the most important in our history, and one of the most unusual because the campaign will be, who's the worst criminal? Uh, is the, quote, Biden crime family worse than the Trump conspiracy? And the Trump 
you know, uh, allegations here. And I, I don't think the American public wants to vote for president based on who's the worst criminal. I, I think we would much prefer to hear about the economy, about foreign policy, about jobs, about the border, uh, about a range of issues uh, that we deeply care about and that affect our daily lives, rather than a comparison about who's the worst president, uh, who's the worst uh, criminal. Um, but I think that's what we're going to hear. We're going to hear a lot of the campaign with uh, accusations back and forth, and it's going to be the first time in our history. You know, we have a long history, uh, many, many presidential elections, and we've never previously had one um, where the uh, issue is who's the worst criminal and where one of the candidates, the candidate who's trying to beat the incumbent, has been indicted by the incumbent's Justice Department on three Perhaps it will be four counts. Uh, will judges try to restrict the bail conditions of Donald Trump, uh, saying uh, you can't use the cell phone or you can't uh, uh, speak to so-and-so or you have to be in the courthouse and you can't campaign? After all, the trial in Florida is supposed to take place in May. That's just before the um, conventions and right after most of the primaries. It's right in the middle of the campaign season. And the president has to be there every day. Uh, is that election interference, even if not intentional, doesn't amount to election interference. If you're telling the president of the United States um, that he has an advantage over the man running against him because the president can campaign anywhere he wants at any time, but the man running against him has to be in court for two weeks or three weeks or four weeks or however long the trial in Florida will take place. We don't know when the trial in Washington will take place. We don't know when the trial in Fulton County will take place if there is an indictment. We already do know that uh, uh, District Attorney Bragg, who I personally like, but who made a horrible, horrible mistake uh, by indicting President Trump on the weakest of all the indictments, we know already he said, all right, I, I'm going to let the Florida case go before my case. So probably the Florida case won't go to trial until after the election. And then you have to ask yourself, what is the effect of the election going to be on these on these charges? Obviously, if the, if, if Trump gets elected, uh, the question will arise, can he pardon him himself? Um, can he step down for a minute um, under the 25th Amendment or something? and give it over to his vice president and have the vice president pardon him. These are all questions that have never been asked. I have to tell you, I have read every word of the constitutional convention debates when I was defending President Trump. I did it all on my own. I had no research assistant. I just read every word of the debates uh, about ratifying the Constitution. None of this was considered or or discussed. It's all new and novel and uh uh, we don't know uh, what the law is because there is no real law on so many of these issues. We're just going to have to, uh, the judges are going to have to make it up as they go along. Ultimately, it'll probably be decided by the, the Supreme Court of the United States. But uh, there are going to be such hard questions. Could a pre if, if the president, if Trump wins the election and is convicted, um, can he be sentenced? Um, can he serve as president? While under a sentence, what if he sentenced the prison? Uh, what if the judge says, I'm sentencing you to prison and I'm not putting off the sentencing? Uh, you're going to prison. Um, we did have a, 
man running for president, Eugene V. Debs, who was in prison under the Espionage Act for making speeches against uh, the First World War. And um, he actually ran for president. He got a couple of million votes uh, while in prison. Um, and so the president can run, uh, a man can run for president while in prison. And, uh, you know, the Constitution only says 35 years old. And uh, there's one provision that some Democrats are foolishly trying to invoke. Part of the 14th Amendment says that uh, people who are found guilty of insurrection uh, can't run for president unless Congress allows them to by, I think it's a two-thirds vote. Of course, that was intended only to apply to a particular insurrection called the Civil War. And um, uh, that was not intended to be a, a permanent a barrier to people running uh, if um, they're charged with some minor form of, uh, you know, insurrection. This there was no insurrection in this case. There were protests and they got out of hand. And uh, the people who committed violent acts um, um, in the Capitol should be prosecuted. I'm representing a young law student who just went in at the invitation of the police, they waved him in, stayed there and left. And, um, and uh, there was gas uh, being uh, circulated, you know, to, to uh, or threats of it. And he picked up a gas mask. And so they're charging him also with uh, improper possession of government, of government property. But I, I'm, I'm proud to be defending him. And uh, he's very different from the people who may have engaged in, in violent conduct, some of whom have already been convicted and, and sentence. But this wasn't an insurrection. This was a protest. You could say that the Black Lives Matter protests on the West Coast were insurrections. No, they weren't insurrections. They were protests, violent protests. Uh, you could say that what's going on in Israel today with every single week, hundreds of thousands of people out there protesting, that's not an insurrection. That's what our Constitution and what Israeli law protects the right to petition your government for a redress of grievances. And it doesn't have to be petitioning the government for things that we like. It can be things we don't like. I don't like the fact that people call the election a fake and that people claim that uh, uh, Donald Trump won the election. He didn't. He lost it. He lost it fair and square. You can argue that maybe some of the things that were in the newspapers were unfair and the, the, the Russian dossier were unfair, but the actual counting of votes uh, was fair. And I think all the elections uh, have been fair uh, in terms of outcomes and results. I know there are some Republicans who think, think it wasn't, but whichever side you're on doesn't matter. The right to protest, the right to contest elections is applicable to all sides. And so um, we'll, we'll, we'll see for tomorrow's show, I will have read the indictment very carefully. I will have analyzed the law and I'll be able to give you a much, much more detailed analysis of uh, where this looks like it's uh, going. All I can say is this is not a good day for America. When a man running for president of the United States against the incumbent is indicted by the incumbent's Justice Department, it's a symptom of something rotten in the state of Denmark. But in this case, it's in the state of America. And it's going to continue. It's going to be tit for tat. We now have some foolish Republicans um, who are now calling for the impeachment of President Biden. These are Republicans who voted against the impeachment of Donald Trump, who agreed with me when I said that in order to impeach a sitting president, there has to be evidence of treason, bribery, 
or other high crimes and misdemeanors, meaning criminal type behavior akin to treason and bribery. And it has to have been committed while he was serving as president. And some of the Republicans who are calling for his impeachment haven't even alleged that any of these criteria have been met. What they're basically saying is, hey, they impeached our guy. We're going to impeach their guy. That's not the way American justice ought to operate, whether it's in the context of criminal punishments or whether it's in the context of impeachment. There has to be one law, one principle, equally applicable to all sides. And so I'm afraid we're losing that. Uh, I'm afraid we're losing uh, the rule of law in this country. I'm afraid we're politicizing uh, everything. And, uh, and I think that uh, uh, the big losers are, are the American public. And I don't think Americans like this. I don't think Americans are happy at the direction in which our country is going with the misuse of the criminal process and the misuse of impeachment. So I'm not going to read any letters today. Um, go back and watch the news. Uh, I'll go back and read the indictment and uh, continue tomorrow. This is an issue that will be with us for quite a while. And I'm glad I'm back on the air to give you at least my advice and my considered opinion about uh, the basis for the indictments and where I think it's going. So I'll see you tomorrow.